Heavenly Father, I, I very much feel, Lord, I don't, I don't know where everybody's coming from in the room here today. You know, I know there's some people for whom the resurrection is, is a hope that is so filled with hope that they can taste it. And Lord, you know, some are here and, you know, maybe the resurrection is a little fuzzy. Generally believe it, but, but so what? And Lord, you know, the few moments that I have right now are, you know, there's not, they're not enough. But you've ordained that, that the preaching of the cross and the resurrection is foolishness that you use in your hands. You do things. So right now, over these next moments, we, I'm just, I'm entrusting myself to you. Lord, honor your word because you honor your son do this in our midst this morning, I pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. I mean, it's funny, uh, churches on Easter Sunday all over the place are packed, you know, it's great. I love it. Um, Because we just can't get over this event, you know. Nobody argues about the fact whether Mary had a son named Jesus, and no one argues over the fact of whether Pontius Pilate was the governor. No one argues over the fact of whether he was executed. Nobody argues that. Nobody does. But the resurrection? You know. And if, you know, we uh, we read earlier, we uh, had read from the screen the first part of the resurrection account from the book of John. And, the, and in John, John is real, he's real clear. He's painting a real clear picture for us. The Bible, does, it includes um, details, and those details are there because you're supposed to enter into this thing and look around at it. John tells us that Mary went to visit his tomb, and his tomb was in a garden. It was a garden tomb. And in chapter 19, John told us that the garden and where Jesus was crucified were the same place. Jesus was crucified in a garden. Jesus was laid to rest in a tomb in that same garden. Jesus resurrected from that garden, and it's in that garden that Mary goes to find him, except when she goes to see the tomb, it's rolled away. But the Bible also gets real explicit. Two of the Bible's great New Testament preachers, the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter, preach sermons about the cross and the resurrection. And one thing that they repeat repeatedly about the cross of Jesus Christ is they say, Jesus Christ died on a tree. He died on a tree. He died on a tree in a garden. He was laid to rest in that garden. Why would the Bible be painting the picture that Jesus Christ was crucified on a tree in a garden? Well, isn't that where the entire problem started? One man named Adam and one God, his creator, a promising, generous environment. Adam was surrounded. Every, the fruit of every single tree. I mean, it was a lushness, a beauty, a glory that you and I could only imagine. One, one rule. One rule. That tree, no. In my understanding, no, not yet. No. And Adam had a choice to make right there. There's Adam, there's everything else that God has given him, there is one tree and there's a rule from God. No. And Adam has a decision to make. 
Can I trust them? He told me no. Why? Adam answers that question of the reason why God said no to that one tree because God was greedy and didn't want to share the best of his things with Adam. Therefore, Adam made a decision in his own mind and in his own heart. God is trying to withhold the good stuff from me, and I'm not going to stand for that. I'm going to reach around his rule, grab that, because I believe, this is, I'm talking like Adam. Adam believed that he was going to be better off disobeying God, distrusting God, reaching around and grabbing something that God had not planned for him. In his mind, it was a logical option to look at that tree and say, I've got two choices. I can listen to what God said about that, or I could do what I feel that I want to do deep down in my heart. And he followed his heart. And look what happened. See, Adam had a decision to make. Is what I know about God lead me to believe that I should trust them about hard things. Now, the Bible tells us that we are sons of Adam and daughters of Eve. And I hope that what you can understand of what I just said is even though the setting that we live in is completely different, our problem is exactly the same. God gives, issues us all kinds of loving boundaries. No, don't do that. No, don't do that. No, no, that's bad. I love you. You're going to destroy your life. Don't do that. And we... We make a decision, which is not exactly accurate. We make a decision because down in our hearts, we think about God the same way that Adam did. He's withholding the good things from me. What I need to do is I need to look in my own heart. Does this sound familiar to anybody? I need to look in my own heart and I, need, I just need to do what I think is the right thing to do. I do you, I, you do you, I do me and we'll all be fine. Will we? And the Bible tells us that Jesus was crucified and died on a tree because the Bible is telling us and it's pointing to an exact opposite. Adam looked at that tree and Adam looked at God and Adam looked in his heart at what he wanted and he said, I don't trust that God has my best interests in mind. I'm going to do what I think is good for me. What did Jesus do? Doesn't the Apostle Paul tell us that Jesus emptied himself? And he obeyed. Jesus obeyed God, his father. He obeyed him all the way, I mean, all the way to the bottom of a grave. Jesus trusted the very same God that Adam mistrusted. And the whole account of the Bible puts this very same decision in front of every single one of us. Let me ask you a question. Can God be trusted? Now, that can be an easy answer when things are all going your way. When the sun is bright, spring is in the air, chocolate Easter bunnies are waiting for you in just 35 minutes. Right? What about when the doctor gives you a diagnosis that you don't want? That job that you were hoping to land didn't come through. Can God be trusted? And the Easter story, John is making it really clear. He wants to put one person right in the front of everybody's face. What he wants to put is Jesus Christ hanging on a tree. And the reason he's hanging on that tree is because he trusted God. You got two ways to live. Adam lived not trusting God. Jesus lived absolutely trusting God. What are you going to do? This is the decision the New Testament puts right in front of you. 
except I have to tell you that you and I have a very bad problem, and that is we are sons of Adam and we are daughters of Eve, which means the default setting of your heart when you came out of the factory, there's a little code right on your heart, and do you know what was code was written on your heart? That you didn't pick for yourself. You were born this way. You know the default mode of your heart? You were born with the default setting that said, don't trust God. What are you going to do? Now, I, I, know, I know what it's like. I know that there has to at least be a handful of you that are looking at your watch because you're like, oh, can't we just get to Easter dinner? I don't even want to really do this thing anyway. But I, my grandmother is going to be so mad at me if I don't go. I know. And for tons of people in American society... I could sit up here and argue the, you know, here's all the historical evidence that the resurrection actually happened. And tons of people would be like, well, that's neat. I'm not going to argue with you about whether it happened or not. What they're going to say is, who cares whether it happened? Except one reason. The Bible tells every single one of us that one of the things that the resurrection can make us certain of is that God the Father has completely and fully delegated his judicial authority over to his son, Jesus Christ. You can live your whole life, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years, thinking in your mind, Jesus is irrelevant to me. There will be a moment where his eyes will be completely relevant to you. It'll be the only relevant thing that there is because you and I will stand before him. Jesus will judge the living and the dead and the resurrection is God's proof of that. Can't you see how stuck you are? You have a heart that has a factory setting that says, I don't trust God. And you're going to face God at the end of your life and you're going to look in the eyes of the one man who did trust God. What are you going to do? In John chapter 20, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she, as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. She, thought, she, she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain. One at the head and one at the feet. You know, in the, in the reading that we had up on the screen, I don't know if you recognize or have heard this before. When Jesus resurrected from the dead and they looked in the tomb, uh, Peter and John saw that there was... Um, two sets of burial cloths. One that was, you know, where his body was wrapped in, but there was another special cloth that was laid separate, folded up at the top. And sometimes we wonder, I wonder why that is. And here John tells us why. Because there were two angels and one of them uncovered his head and wrapped it up and the other one unwrapped his body and put it there. Now let me ask you a question. If this morning what, we, what happened was Okay, listen, all you, everybody here who has a heart that doesn't trust God, I'm going to bring out two angels for you to see. Don't you think you'd be like, okay, convinced. Mary sees the two angels. And she doesn't see it yet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? <laughs> Which is a great question. Because Jesus is raised from the dead. What are you crying about? That's ridiculous. Sorry, I'm not, I don't mean to yell at you. It's just such an exciting thing, isn't it? She said to them, they've taken away my Lord. I don't know where they laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she didn't know it was Jesus. 
Now, this is Mary Magdalene. Mary knew precisely what he looked like. If you were Mary living the life that you had lived before Jesus had rescued you and you spent that much time devoted to him, listening to him, looking at his eyes, looking at him, following him, loving him, worshiping him. And then and he's right there. And she sees him with her own eyes. And Jesus says to her, woman, why are you weeping? Everybody wants to know, what's the crying about? Whom are you seeking? And think about this, her most logical conclusion of who this guy is that's talking to her. What does her rational mind say to her? Okay, who is this guy? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you carried him away, tell him where you laid him and I will take him away. What's a person who has a heart in the default setting of not trusting God supposed to do? And I want to tell you that from the, from the very beginning, even in the garden, God had always intended from the very beginning that he had a great and wonderful gift that he was going to give. And nobody was going to earn it. It was going to be a gift. Start to finish, the whole thing was going to be. The father was going to plan it all out perfectly. And the son was going to execute it to the T. And the Holy Spirit was going to be so filled with joy and delight at the whole thing that he was going to be loosed on the whole world and he was going to, he has the power and he was going to take out untrusting hearts and replace them with trusting ones. He was going to take out eyes that could see Jesus as a person but, and change those for eyes that could see Jesus for who he really is, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he was going to take ears that could hear t- words, sound waves. And he was going to give them supernatural power to hear those words to be God. Because Jesus talked to her. What are you crying about? And no miracle happened when he asked what she was crying about. She's still trying to, you're the gardener and where's the body? Until something happened. Jesus said to her, Mary. And when he said those words, a miracle happened. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, which is Aramaic. Then she knew who he was. I'm not up here with historical data trying to demonstrate and prove to you that the resurrection is a historical fact. What I want to do is I want to ask you, have you heard him call your name? Has the resurrected Jesus, have you heard him call your name? John tells you that the the Bible doesn't contain everything that Jesus did. That's not the point. John tells you that the Bible contains enough. You have been given enough information to know exactly what must happen to you in order for you to be saved. And I want to tell you that to be saved by Christ is the most important thing in your life. You ever get that email about three o'clock in the morning from that prince in Nigeria? He's got $30 million for you. You just got to send him your credit card number. You get that email? Anybody ever clicked on that? You ever wanted to though? Wouldn't it be a bummer if he really had that? And you went this whole time and you had 30 million waiting for it and you didn't even know it. Everybody knows where this illustration is going, yes? 
From the very beginning, God intended to give a wonderful gift to the human race. Eternal life in a renewed, beautiful, glorious, material creation where heaven and earth come together in joy and glory and beauty and for that whole world to be ruled over by a worthy king, the kind of king where you would look and say, that guy's in charge and I love it. And that life is going to get better and better every day and that's never going to stop. And God from the very beginning intended that no one should earn it. Only one person would have earned it and that was Jesus the son. For everybody else it would be given as a gift. Have you heard him call your name? And has your heart been changed? So that instead of living your life based on the settled fact deep down subconsciously, I cannot trust God. Has he changed your heart so that you can trust him? And how would you know? One reason. You look at the Christ, the son of God hanging on the tree. And when God tells you he is the only way to get to an eternity with me, there's one thing that that new heart does. It believes, it trusts, it hears his name. Has that happened to you? Let me stand to your feet. Let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that the power of your word, the truth and the reality of all the things that scripture lays out for us would stun us. For every mature Christian, may our mouths water at the coming of the kingdom of heaven that the resurrection points to. And Lord, for everybody here who maybe even this morning for the first time said, I don't know what happened. I believe. I hear him calling me. Lord, we know that that's you. No one can come to the Jesus Christ unless the Father draws them, I pray. Do that this morning in Christ's name. Amen.